but it always seemed disingenuous to me for companies to talk about how well the animals that they get their food source from, how well they're getting taken care of when their employees have to work two, three jobs. It just didn't feel right, never did. Maybe I've found peace and zen with how difficult and how constant change and challenge is. Like when you're when it was, when I was younger, it's like ah, oh, oh, but now I'm like man, just keep working hard, keep thinking smart, believe in what you believe in, stay true to your values, and you'll get through it. I'm Dave Tabor with Proco 360. Proco 360 is for people who love Colorado and really get jazzed knowing the backstories of Colorado companies and the world-class leaders they recognize and admire. Listeners, thanks to you, Proco 360 is Westward Reader's best Denver podcast, three years running, and two years as a top 15 Colorado podcast on Feedspot. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Pete Turner, founder and president of Illegal Pete's, a mission-style burrito restaurant he started on the hill in Boulder as a 23-year-old and has grown to 12 locations. I look forward to talking with Pete about how a 23-year-old starts a restaurant, then a lot about how Illegal Pete's, which is a quick-serve Mexican food concept, does things differently from other famous brands, including having full bar at every location, paying a living wage, and fitting into the neighborhood in which they locate. So Pete, with that introduction, glad you could join me via Zoom as a guest on Proco 360. Uh, Dave, thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, Pete, you said when you started the restaurant that you wanted to create a fun and energetic atmosphere with music playing, employees having fun, and you wanted to include customers in the fun. So what's the backstory on Illegal Pete's I was a student at uh, University of Colorado in Boulder, um, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, went to school in Boulder. Um, and when I was at college in Boulder, um, a couple things happened. I would, um, you know, visit restaurants and bars on the hill, the university area of uh, Boulder, you know, the college life. And, um, and I kind of, as a customer, just always felt like, um, there was a, a real service element lacking, almost as if people were doing you a favor, favor as the paying customer. It's just something that really um, got to me. And then second thing was I went to school with a friend of mine, also named Peter, who's from the Bay Area in uh, California, San Francisco. He was actually uh, Mill Valley, Marin. But um, so anyway, I met him along with another group of guys from uh, the Bay Area, a lot of West Coast folks at, at uh, Boulder, and he introduced me to the sort of the mission style burrito um, in college, and I would go visit him, and you know he'd take me to this um, his local burrito shop was Lucinda's, and then um, to the Mission District in San Francisco, and I, it kind of blew me away. I had never seen that type of food, so you know I was an English major at, at college, kind of by kind of by default, really, honestly, like when it came time to pick a major, I mean, that's, um, you know, I had most credits and, and loved it, but, um, you know, I, I definitely wasn't a business major by any means, but, um, I'd worked in restaurants and my mom was a partner in a, uh, Asian restaurant in Littleton when I was growing up. So I, I worked in there, but, um, anyway, so I always kind of thought that potentially I'd do my own business that way, but mm -hmm. I got really excited about that type of food, but, and then really more than that, 
you know, thought that if I could do it with a um, service element of just, you know, fun, excitement, appreciation, um, you know, stoke and just, you know, make it again, a, a, a gracious place to go and a fun place mm-hmm. to be and kind of try to draw the, the students really, I mean, cause it's yeah. right on the hill in Boulder, but I haven't been one of those. I was like, man, this is really lacking. Huh. So the type of food and then the type of service. Yeah. Well, what I 23 or what 23 year old starts a restaurant? I mean, that's crazy, really. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's the original legal pizza is 600 square feet. So it's, <laughs> and actually looking back, I mean, I, I do, it's kind of like, and at the time I thought it was all the money in the world, honestly. And, and I signed, uh, when I signed that first lease, it was five, three year options. So 15 years at 23, I thought it was like, Oh man, that's the end of the world. <laughs> right. Like that, there's no way I would ever go 15 years. You'll then, be dead honestly, before then, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I was <laughs> like, Whoa. So five, three year options. And that, and then also the money, which, um, to do it, which now, I mean, is again, it's, it, it was a ton of money back then and a ton of time. I was like, Oh man. I mean, it, it seemed like a big deal. And I guess it was, but, um, looking back, you know, it's, eight seats and 600 square feet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I went for it and it's a killer location, right? And yeah. restaurants, certainly most business location, location, location. Yeah. So I'd seen that there was an opportunity and, and pursued that location, got it. And that basically, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And, yeah. You, you know, know, that's an interesting, cause I'm going to ask you about your dad in a second too. The idea though, about location, location, I, I think of this place, I don't know if you've been in Breck and seen this crepe, place in the middle of main street. It's maybe, maybe a hundred square feet, you know, and that place, you know, it's just like the location is what's driving this activity. I think. Yeah. Now, I mean, in, and I mean, if you, okay. So location, right. I mean, you see a million places like, I don't know, Times Square or whatever the best location, best real estate in the world, you know, obviously you're going to do well. Now you add a really special recipe special, you know, you know, pride and service and whatnot, and you're going to be yeah. legendary, right? I mean, yeah. so it doesn't take care of everything location, but it really gives you a great start. Like, I mean, it allowed yeah. me to make a ton of mistakes, man. Honestly, huh. like, had well, we been around the corner, I don't know if we would survive. Let's say that's pretty interesting. So, what do you think? Uh, can you remember what your rent was when you started? Five hundred bucks a month. All right, and so if you'd been around the corner, what would it have been? Three hundred bucks a month. 200. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, four, but, but then I, I guess the point I'm, I'm asking about is like that saving a little bit of money would have p- perhaps meant the difference between success and failure. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, certainly, yeah, man. And so that's a conversation, right? Like, you know, location, do you, do you save a buck? But I mean, it's just what, what's value, right? Like, I mean, so, you know, 200 let's say the the rent was double what it had been around the corner like that was a no-brainer to me because visibility you just can't pay i mean you're paying for that i guess like honestly so we you know we were every whatever twenty five thousand students were walking by you know Mm -hmm. at some point during the week so you just can't yeah i mean so that really was i wouldn't probably have done it had you know i wouldn't have pursued it that hard if i knew you know I had a chance to to take over this lease and it was just, uh, it was awesome. 
Why would your dad, I mean, support a 23-year-old? He must have been the one to come up with the cash. Uh, or how did that work? And why? Because you do reference, you know, your dad's support in getting this thing going. Yeah. I mean, really, he was uh, terminally ill with cancer, and he did. He co-signed um, the loan. So we, let's see, I signed the lease February 28th of um, 1995. We opened August 15th of 1995. So actually, I mean, this hmm. 2020 is our 25th anniversary and we had yeah. much different plans as did everybody. So when I graduated from Boulder, I spent, I was going to spend a year in uh, Mexico, just uh, north of Puerto Vallarta, um, watching uh, buddies family kind of house and I did was watching the house and doing work around the house and surfing and then uh, <laughs> I was going to be down there a year I came back after three months my dad's cancer had come back and so I came back to Denver and, and pursued um, what I was going to pursue in this in, in Pete's right the restaurant but my dad you know it was a risk for sure but he I, I think saw the passion and enthusiasm um, that I ha- had around it and um, you know, again, the number, you know, I thought it was all the money in the world, but yeah, looking back, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it was definitely a risk and I just think he, you know, he, so he passed away in 1997, August 24th. So he was basically saw two years of it and, mm. and, you know, he was around, he didn't work in the restaurant. I was, you know, doing the typical, you know, 80 to hundred hour weeks and whatnot, but he, yeah. you know, I talked to him daily you know multiple times a day get down to denver when i could to visit him but um so he was just really proud of it and uh i i guess maybe because you know he had an opportunity to to help me you know start a business that i was very passionate about and you know he had faith and belief in the concept and probably just honestly i think part of part of it had to do with his illness and you know he had the capacity to do to help Mm -hmm. me out and yeah you know, that's did, cool. It so. seems, yeah, it seems like he wanted to do that, uh, before he was gone. That's kind of cool. Really. Yeah. What? And, you know, he was, he was terminally ill in 1989 when he was diagnosed when I was a freshman at CU and he fought. So he stage four, um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and he battled, 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 battled. He was in great shape. He's 49, which is also an interesting thing. This has been a really interesting year for me. I, I turned 49 as well, which, you know, approaching that, age where my dad was diagnosed with cancer like you know it's always been a big year and then 25th anniversary of Pete's you know it's always been a sort of you know feeling mortality and and just yeah it's been a it's been crazy so he was my he's my moral support and you know that's cool support I guess yeah yep well thinking back on those times uh when you started the business it sounds like one of the smartest things you did uh was getting a great location what what's like, what's the dumbest thing you should have known better uh, that you did that really caused you pain and suffering as you were launching this business? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I think after my father died, I, and my dad was my partner. He was Pete, right? Like, so Luca Pete's, I mean, it was us. Like, so I'm Pete, Pete uh, Turner the second. I kind of freaked out and took... Yeah, maybe not freaked out. Maybe it was part of necessity, but um, second location, I took on a 10% partner hmm. that I didn't really, that was a friend, but uh, I should have trusted my gut. And I, it's almost like, I mean, he's a friend. I, 
he was a friend. We it went south, and it just it was could have been really bad. And I I was scared, man. To be honest, my dad was gone, and I I truly and I oh God, man, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but I felt like you know if I'm gonna fail, I want someone else. It won't be just me failing mm-hmm. at that point. So it was kind of part of the thinking when I look back on taking a partner because it wouldn't you know, for our next location, it wasn't a whole bunch of money, but, um, it was potentially, you know, catastrophic or, yeah. I mean, it was just really painful. Huh. So, I mean, I think not really, uh, what would that be? That would be just being young, I guess. And, and <laughs> yeah. taking a partner without really understanding how, what, yeah, I, I, I get it. Through, I mean, I, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, when I had my business, I didn't actually take a partner, but I took on a uh, a guy who had been working with me a lot um, with Phantom Stock and all that. It does create a new dynamic that uh, it's different. And and I think your point is that, you know, that's something people ought to take pretty seriously when they consider um, how they're going about this. Um, so I want to switch gears. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I want to switch gears. Uh, you're and talk more about the concept of illegal peats. I mean, sure. it's a, it's it's unusual. You're fast casual, um, but it's fast casual where people hang out. It's also a bar. So how do you see like your customers different from those of like the big famous name burrito places? Yeah, I mean, well, it's probably a lot of the same customers and, and it's just they use us differently, potentially. Um, you know, so we, so the first location, 600 square feet, we did not have a bar. It was yeah. tiny, right? Yep. Second location, Pearl Street Mall, we did start a bar. And then when we moved to downtown Denver, we um, increased our footprint from 600. So first door, 600 square feet, Pearl Street Mall, 2,000 square feet downtown Denver, 2,400 square feet. So yeah, we're able yeah. to kind of really, and then also being in Denver and, and com- competing with the other guys, the Wahoos, the Chipotle, yeah. the Qdoba, like, okay, how are we going to really d- differentiate ourselves and yeah. take advantage of what that downtown Denver area is? And, you know, really it was like, okay, the decision was made. Let's, let's really kind of accentuate the bar and let's take advantage of nights and weekends, right? Like, that was kind of, you know, it's atypical to have a counter service restaurant do a full bar, but yeah. that's also been kind of, kind of the, the, the saving grace, I guess, for, for me and the concept is just listening, having patience and flexibility and listening to our customers and always, you know, that's been a customer driven evolution that we've, we've had and the bar was a big part of it. Yeah. Like, how do we use the bar? How does it work? And then that's what led us to music. You know, people like, all right, let's do band. You know, do you want to do bands down here? Okay, let's do that. And then, you know, breakfast. I mean, so we've always just been, we've but, always yeah, evolved but, by listening to our customers, I guess. Yeah. It's such a strange, so, but it, um, it, it almost seems strange to me that like, so you've got this burrito joint and burrito joints, typically, you get in, you tell them what you want, they put it on it, they build it to you, you either sit there and get out in 10 minutes or you walk away with it. And this seems like it's turned the whole financial model upside down because now it almost seems like it's a bar that serves food. Or is it a, is it a mission restaurant that also, I don't what what is it? You know, Dave, it's funny. I mean, um, it has evolved almost to it's still the ratio. If you look at our sales mix and let's talk pre COVID, right? Yeah. Our, yeah. So 
so our newer build, I would say that when we moved, we did our South Broadway location where we took over, you know, an 18,000 square foot car lot, old yeah. car lot. And so we had all this land and like, man, you know, do we, it almost felt cocky. Do we make this exterior patio that's as big or bigger than our interior dining space, expand mm-hmm. the bar a little bit to have a fully wraparound bar, like just to take use of the space. Um, yep. And it that's really changed cool our cost. Like, yeah, it's, it's been awesome, but it really changed how we looked at our, at, at our business model, really, man. Cause then from there we went to, you know, Fort Collins, East Colfax, um, Tucson, Arizona, which has been an amazing Hmm. store for us. I mean, so it really did change the concept where we're still, you know, and some of those were, you know, let's say those higher volume, those more evolved, more recent stores are probably 35 to 40% liquor, but that's unheard of, man. In fact, I mean, it's like one to 2%. Yeah. It almost seems like you've, you've become uh, like, like a bar outdoor bar with a food truck built inside, you know, it's almost, yeah. it's almost there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I mean, and let me also just, it's worth, I mean, I need to focus and, and basically I need to tell you that my focus has always been on the food though. Like I'm the worst um, bartender that in the business, right? Uh-huh. Like I just pay attention. I don't pay attention to that as much. I mean, so it's always been really important to me to to really pay attention to kind of what what got us there and the food needs to support mm-hmm. the other part, not the, not the other way around. And I think it's yeah. too easy to get um, stuck in that trap, um, especially around college towns where you know you can sell a bunch of booze and just you know food is an afterthought. So mm-hmm. I thought if you could you know keep a focus on all of that and then yeah. again just provide the entertainment layers on top of that. And I mean, yeah, just kind of, again, it just evolved into where we are a place. And I, and the other thing is, you know, just philosophically, we, and this is my dad too, you know, we, we want people to hang out. We want people to get to know us mm. just by coming in to get a beer. Right. We're not trying to turn tables. Like that's just who we are. Right. So yeah. the model is a little different and it allows people to feel okay hanging out in what, you know, most, or a lot of people would just say is a burrito shop, right? Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's a lot more than that, right? People go to see shows there. I mean, we do hmm. live music, a ton of live music. We, you know, we're just really heavily involved in the, um, in our communities that way, um, with different events. I mean, so it, oh, man, it is kind of a hybrid maybe, or maybe yeah. atypical yeah. for, um, for the, the segment, I guess, that we're in. And when people do ask us who's our competition, you know, I, we say the big names, but really we see ourselves as in a different segment. Position differently, for you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, hey, let me remind listeners this is ProCo 360, named Best Denver Podcast Three Years Running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Pete Turner, founder and president of Illegal Pete's. Thanks to our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, the law firm of Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, and Via Technologies. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. So, um, Pete, I get that yours is sort of a different 
concept. And I want to touch briefly on two other aspects of it that you've mentioned. One is uh, striving to be a part of the neighborhood. And the other is encouraging people to be themselves. Let's go there first, because I've had interviews and conversation with David Burzon of Snooze and Jamie Repenning of Floyd's 99 Barbershop. They also stress that, you know, the customer environments driven by employees encouraged to be themselves. So how do you go about that at Illegal Pete's? You know, um, I think it just starts by um, really our vision statement, um, you know, which uh, to create an atmosphere that celebrates individuality and relaxed human connection. I mean, that one sentence took two months of Hmm. just pain to go through with a friend of mine to just kind of distill it down to that. But I mean, really, when I opened the, the first restaurant is when it started, you know, that whole idea of let's have a fun environment. Let's let people be themselves and let's have them, you know, invite our customer into the party and kind of break down the counter barrier. That's what we always called it, you know, so less transactional and more just, Hey, you know, food for friends, right? Like having people over to your house. So, I mean, that's when I was 23, 24, actually, when I opened the restaurant Um, and, you know, um, the first, crew it it started there and you know many of whom are still very very good friends of mine best man in my wedding was one of the first five people i hired um but you know just allowing people you know we never um you know i never had uniforms i just you know people we would get people a shirt but if they wanted to wear it didn't you know we said you know these are you got to wear you know clean you know all that but we just never (laughs) did yeah we just allowed people to kind of express their individuality and uh in music yeah. even you know that's always been a big thing for us so different have, playlists yeah. and different times so have you ever had to like ratchet that down have you ever had to say somebody be yourself but you know don't play that you know uh we have those conversations in half <laughs> for 25 years i've like it's it's i think going to be an ongoing conversation i think we have conversations about do you think that's reasonable at this time of day and like yeah, have those yeah. but like man it's really it's really a touchy that is going to be one of those sort of indicators of culture, I guess, as you get bigger, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you have to add some controls there? And so far we haven't, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, and I think, you know, we, I think what we've done and who we are and have been over the years is always in it. And again, just kind of the legal piece, it was always sort of countercultural and punk rock kind of like, and, you know, tattoos and all that. But I, I mean, that's all become part of just popular culture anymore anyway. Yeah, it's just yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. You know, people so, are digging more spice in their food. I think they, they ah. like more spice in their culture now too. So, you, you know, you also talk a lot about your teammates, the people on uh, who work at Illegal Pizza and the idea of paying a living wage. I just want to be very clear too. We, so we are all, as a company, always trying to do better. Um, our food product. I mean, we've been using all natural meats and Nyman Ranch for 2001, probably since before actually our competitor. And I probably lost, I don't know, an opportunity to, to shout that from the mountaintop. So we're always looking to, to put out a better product, to invest in the ingredients that we use and, you know, the facilities we use and how we power them and everything else. But it always seemed disingenuous to me for companies to talk about, you know, how well they're, livestock is taking care or you know the animals that they you know 
get my food source from, how well they're getting taken care of, you know, when, you know, their employees have to work two, three jobs. It just didn't feel right. Never did. Um, mm-hmm. So I just thought it was a little bit disingenuous. And, um, you know, again, like, you know, we can talk about all our, you know, reusable, renewable packaging and whatnot. But really, if you've got, again, people serving it and telling the story and they can't feed their family, it just, again, it just didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, so again, honestly, and I tell the story, like when we, and it was difficult, it was me and QuickBooks for many, many years until, um, and again, I was an English major, not a business major, but <laughs> so I, I'm lucky to be around, but when we started finding success sort of after, um, uh, let's say DU 2010 post, um, post great recession. Um, when I started to be fortunate enough to, to work with really smart people that got me more organized and whatnot, and we were able to make, um, to have predictable results and being able to really plan for the future. That's when I was able to say, okay, great. Now I can, you know, I know that yeah. I can pay my rent, save money and, yeah. and grow. Hey, Pete, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of noise yeah. in the background. Is there a door you can close perhaps? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, let me, um, my daughter just got home. Hold on. Uh, okay. Hold on. Let me go here. Hold on. Let me go down. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Me, so. No, it's all good. I'm just getting to another part of the house. But, um, when, I, when we were able to kind of, again, when we became more mature, we're still, still maturing, but, um, you know, and I was able to really plan for the next year and the future. And what do I want benefits to look like? What do I want this business to look like? And having, you know, worked with, um, so many contemporaries or just peers, right? Like yeah. 23, 24, 25, you know, and seeing kind of the, the, the reality of, um, life in the food business in service business, it just, yeah. it didn't, but how do you manage? Yeah. So how do you manage to pay people 15 bucks an hour roughly is, you know, and when your competitors all say, Hey, if we pay people more than X, you know, we can't make a profit. So how does, you know, how does illegal Pete's manage to do that? Well, first of all, we, we didn't go straight from, I mean, it was a, it was a process, right? Like, so we, um, living wage initiative, we started the first wage bump was, um, nine bucks. So we were all, always ahead of um, minimum wage and that's tipped minimum, by the way. So that was tips mm-hmm. on top of that. But yeah. so uh, June of 2015 was the first bump from nine to 1050. Right. And then we did the second bump from 1050 to 12, um, January, 2017. Mm-hmm. And then um, we took the last bump and January 2019 from 12 to 15. That was a big one, man. That was wow, super painful. Yeah. So we was just, it pain- was know, it, talk we about did- that. You say it was super painful. You mean like, so, did you go from making money to not? Well, so the first bump, so the first two um, increases, I wanted to, we didn't really take price. We took a little bit of price raised, but I wanted to just kind of feel it out. Luckily, again, Dave, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful for the success that we found. I mean, so we were really busy and getting better and, and, and making pretty good returns. So I thought that investing that back in, into the staff would 
pay dividends, right? So we're not paying the money to recruit, to train with all that churn, not just money, but like, you know, financial or, you know, spiritual. It's like brain damage. Too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's brain damage and man, it just breaks my heart. Like I, when I lose, you know, losing people, it's just, I get it. It's reality. But when you're churning like that, it's just, it's brain damage and it just hurts. So anyway, um, there, you know, it was a, yeah, we thought that we would see better retention. Obviously, we'd hopefully get better people and that it would translate to the top line. So we took originally, you know, so that first one, we took about a, a two and a half point hit the first two raises. And then, yeah, about a five five point hit the last one in 2019. Mm. So those are big. And we, we yeah. were able, the first, first two, we were able to make those two and a half points back in about nine months, I guess, mm. just in, in tight, in tightening up and, um, top line sales growth. Um, and then we were again, last year was challenging, man. Cause the five point hit, um, we invested, gosh, another 2 million bucks in our people last year. Mm. Like, wow. I mean, it was, it was, it was big and we did take a little bit of price, um, last year, but you know, mm -hmm. typical, but, so um, do would you say so anyway we were we were like so we just quickly i mean going into 2020 we were starting to you know again our further tightening getting more efficient was starting to really click man we were up you know good 12 13 percent and then pandemic but so yeah. we're starting to hit man we probably should have stretched that last 12 to 15 out over two, two cycles raises, or something two yeah two, two yeah. cycles but yeah but I mean, are you seeing are you seeing legitimate changes in employee turnover and quality of employee based on the changes in pay you've made? Um, yeah, I would say our our turnover. Yeah, I would say yes, but I I would also say that we weren't as um, sophisticated in training and and um, just being able to really leverage the the benefit of of having this real strength and in, in hiring training and retaining mm -hmm. i and yeah. i need to own that and that was kind of part of going back into and i realized that hmm. we have great people i just yeah. we could i we could get more out of it having better systems and whatnot but uh, we yep. did yeah i mean our our turnover we gained you know gosh i mean we're a very you know leading industry turnover so Pete, um, I wonder, so yeah, here's, yeah, I mean, here's, I'm wondering if, cause you're, you're, you're self-admitting that you didn't have uh, great systems in place. I wonder if paying people more than you could afford sort of forced you into making some systemic changes to improve process and costs. I think so, man. That's a really <laughs> interesting way to look at it. Like almost, yeah, I mean, for sure. And so, you know, I mean, this 25th anniversary, my whole plan was back to the basics that was my whole theme this year and i was working with and still am actually carried through with it in the pandemic but um a training consultant and turned into hr where you know we brought on hr consulting or systems consultant that we hired as our hr leader yeah. now actually but so our whole thing was to relook and just rethink and rebuild those systems yeah. exactly like you're saying so you can really harness the power of the job that you're able to provide, right? And really get the most out of what you're paying. So yeah, that's a really great point, right? Like not only, you know, 
yeah, it's expensive. So man, let's, you know, it's really was a hit if we're not maximizing the utility out of that good job. Right. So yeah. yeah. Um, That's cool. It forced us to kind of do that. Yeah. You're listening to Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere in Choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Pete Turner, founder and president of Illegal Pete's. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you finish this episode. Uh, Pete, I want to ask you a series of quick questions from, uh, from our listeners. Can I do that? Sure. We'll hit them hard and quick. Uh, Doug Drinkpole asks if you're going to open a location on West Colfax. I, yeah, oh man, I am. Yeah, we are. We're uh, actually just now got into the city after the design review process. And that's right next to the little man ice cream. Oh, that'll be great. On uh, Utica. Yeah. That yeah, will great. be great. Cool. Um, a friend and listener, Bob Kumagai, has curious about how COVID impacted your service model relating specifically to like associated costs, supplies, and those kinds of things. And he also wonders post-COVID, what's going back to the way it was and what isn't? Um, it is definitely uh, quite a bit more expensive. Um, you know, we have more staff on for safety reasons and really taking care of the guests and orchestrating um, a safe environment. There's a lot more paper. Um, we're fast casual anyway, but we're yeah. sending a lot a lot more paper out there. Um, that's been challenging. There's been a lot of supply chain issues, so that has um, added some additional costs and challenges there. So, and then um, we we kind of erred on the side of safety. So we just in the last two, uh, two weeks brought people back into our restaurants ahead of ahead mm. of the um, winter time. Yep. And uh, we're going back to the original model, but we have some QR code um, kind of second drink um, individual table service that we will maintain post COVID, I think. So it's almost kind of like a cocktail server built into each table on our patio. So that'll be pretty interesting, but yeah, it'll be cool. basically back to the old teats with a little bit of technology built in. I'm sure you can't wait. Uh, another question from yeah. another Pete. Yeah. Uh, Pete Webb wants to know, he's, he's a big, he, he thinks you're doing great things for local musicians. What's the plan on that? Oh, man, that is a great question. I mean, hopefully Oh, man, it's just, it's all locked down. So it remains yeah. to be seen. I mean, we'll keep, we'll get back to doing what we do when we can, I guess is, and is the answer. I mean, uh-huh. God, it's so yep. frustrating. So we, you know, we, we do a comedy festival here in Denver too. Like comedy, you know, we support all the local bands, venues. We're just trying to honestly, to be honest right now, we're just, trying to help whatever ways we can. We, you know, we do this, uh, Denver music advancement, um, grant, um, with the city of Denver. It's the third year this year. So we're, that was 25 grand, um, with the city of Denver and that goes out to 30 plus people. So that's one way to help, um, the music community, but yeah. that's basically all we are able to do, which, you know, yep. we're it's going to be a lot better. To be able to do that. 
Man, when we're past yeah. this, it's going to be great. Hey, how yeah. is your thinking about, I mean, you've, you've mentioned several times that Illegal Pizza has turned 25. You started it when you were, you, you've opened your first store at 24. So you've got to be a different, I heard your little girl get home from school earlier. You have got to be a different person than you were when you started. So how has your thinking about business changed since then? Man, um, it has You know, I'm still excited and I'm still like, uh, well, it's, man, there's such a strange time to be asking me that, right? The 25th, I mean, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm extremely excited for the other side of this pandemic, honestly. Like, we're, like, every business, really, every restaurant, obviously, but every business, every person on this planet has really been forced to really look hard, I think, it life, what's important to them, you know, what works, what doesn't, you know, and I am fortunate enough to, you know, have businesses that I think will make it right. We've got long time uh, banking relationships, uh, landlord relationships, whatnot. So, but I've been really reforced to think everything. And so it's really interesting because I'm, it's putting us, it's funny, like I'm back to opening a restaurant. I feel like I'm 24 again, rethinking the whole thing and i didn't i i had told you earlier you know our whole theme this year was back to the basics and like really thinking what i was thinking like 24 when you walk in the front door what do you want it to feel like well shit man excuse my language um i feel like that's exactly what where we are by force of god as it were i mean it's really interesting so but i'm still excited i'm still super pumped to evolve and that's the fun part right is really leaning into those challenges and like yeah man it's super super you know it's been heartbreaking and challenging and and luckily you know knock on wood everybody i know for the most part has been safe and healthy but um yeah i mean so i do have that but like i'm just excited for so what has happened like maybe i've just maybe i've found peace and Zen with how difficult and how constant change and challenge is. Like when you're, when it was, when I was younger, it's like, ah, oh, but now I'm like, man, just keep working hard, keep thinking smart, take, you know, believe in what you believe in, stay true to your values and you'll get through it. Maybe there's just, it's, I don't know, that lesson that that's shifted. Um, just accepting that, you know, yeah. change yeah. is inevitable, but things typically work out if you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And working real hard. And still looking back 25 years, I mean, you had a, you've had a motto, the more the merrier uh, for 25 years. So how has what like makes you merrier, you know, how's that changed over 25 years? Oh boy. Um, let's see. I think I've just, yeah, just uh, gotten, that's been a challenge in, in the business too, man. Is like, yeah, two young girls, six and almost four. Um, you know, I was, I'm an older dad, but was kind of just so busy with the business and, hmm. you know, it's a very social business and we, you know, illegal pizza is more, you know, extremely that way. And that was part of the model is just, man, let's have more fun than everyone else. You know, let's say, yeah, let's do bands, let's do comedy, you know, let's just have a blast. Right. And then thinking that that works out, let's make it work. 
you know, that reality for me personally, that has been a challenge. Like, like that is such a special part of the business, but I can't do it. Like I just can't when, you know, get to 12, you know, so that's been a weird reckoning. Like it's still happening, but I'm not there. Um, which is obviously, you know, but it's just a weird personally, like that's been, it's just trying to try to find that balance and still, um, make sure that the, the spirit, you know, is there and that we're doing it well and safely. And I don't know, I think we've just grown up a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Um, still That's, want to really enjoy that. Sure. You know, like our 25th anniversary, you know, we had a block party downtown Denver built, you know, signed up, you know, planned for this year. We did our 20th anniversary at Red Rocks. And I mean, it was just, mm. we like that. We like to celebrate. We like to, you know, and you, you know, Colorado is such a special place to do business as you, you know, your podcast's all about. But man, it's just a celebratory, youthful, God, it's just such a great place, right? So that's part of the culture and that informs who we are, what we do, um, yeah. you know, the spirit that we run our business. But, that's cool. I think that's a good place to wrap up. You all right with that, Pete? Yeah, no, totally. Cool. Uh, hopefully well, that was good, man. Oh, it, it is. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today I'm Proco360. You've been listening to my conversation with Pete Turner, founder and president of Illegal Pete's. And yeah, Pete, it was good. And and uh, I appreciate you kind of are thoughtful about how you approach, you know, this kind of conversation. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, and thank you for the time. I mean, uh, it's really interesting thinking back and, and thinking through all that, especially in such a reflective year and a reflective time for all of us. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hey, listeners, and thanks to you for joining me and Pete on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Via Technologies, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Colorado.